round two. Let's do it. Round two. What would we uh, would we call the last cover? Double shot of sobriety. So this is the second round. Yeah. Let's second round. That's <laughs> when it gets exciting. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This is where the, the, the fun starts for sure. Well, thank you for coming back on. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. Um, there's a lot of things that uh, came to fruition uh, after after our last conversation. Uh, no big deal. Just got a book that's out. <laughs> yes, it's done. How does that feel? Really good. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure it does. Yeah, 2023's word of the year was execution and really just saw this thing through all last year. And it feels really good yeah. for it to be done. I'm sure it does. So you've got, let's see, I mean, yeah, like 300 and some pages. It's so cool. I love the, uh, I love the cover. I think it's really important to put faces to the stories. I think it makes it, it makes it real, you know? And what I love most about this is there's so much diversity as far as, um, the demographic and, and the age, right? It's like I'm seeing individuals that could be in their late 60s and I'm seeing individuals that could very well be in their mid to late 20s, you know? I also see Todd. Todd's coming on next week. So looking forward to that conversation. How, uh, explain the process um, from the very beginning of saying, okay, I want to write a book. I've got a lot to say. Um and there's obviously a ton of other people that have a lot to say in regards to their sobriety journey. What was kind of the first step that you took to say, okay, execution, let's go. Yeah. No, I ran into a friend in uh, uh, mid 2022 in downtown Iowa city and she was having a writing workshop, Andrea Wilson, um, at the end of July happened to be the only weekend all of that summer, I was free. So it was meant to be. And I went to this memoir writing workshop and met several incredible women writing their own memoirs and kind of realized at that time that just at this point in my life, writing my own memoir is just not really feasible or something I have interest in doing. Maybe later on I will, right. but just not right now. Um, but as some, something I wish I would have had, is something like this, a resource like this, where I was caught struggling and wrestling with so many different questions while I was attempting to moderate and right. control right. this <laughs> right. thing that I had. And I wasn't ready to label myself. I wasn't, I didn't really want to go to a meeting. I didn't want to join a community. And so having something like this, it's funny because in recent weeks, I've been able to do a little more thinking about it. And it's kind of like the place where you know something's going on. You have no idea how you're going to control it or tackle it. Right. Um, you're not going to label yourself because technically you never have to if you don't want to. Um, but it's that desire to be inspired and to listen to others and how they've done it and approached it to make sure it's going to be worth your time. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so that being said, I joined the community right when I was getting sober, this online sober community, um, which seemed just really safe to me doing something online and not having to do something in right. person. Yep. And so it was just kind of a beautiful beautiful timing. And I met most of these people in that community. Um, but this, like we say, there's a million days to your day one and a million ways from your day one. And it's really up to you as to how you want to approach it right. and how, how you want to live your life. Right. And so the, it's not like, here's the silver bullet by any means. Um, there's resources in the back of the book that talk about the different recovery communities we've all been a part of. A lot of us are in multiple and you just do what works for you. And so that's why I created this. It feels so good to be done. Um, and, and yeah, now 2024's pivot is to get this out into the yeah, world. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, 
listening to some of your ideas that you had prior to us recording. And I think they are nothing short of genius. And I also think it aligns perfectly with the sober movement. Right. And, and, and going back to the cover of the book and all of the pictures of these individuals, this helps anybody that may be looking for a sign or they are trying to start their day one and they have found a high level of, of success professionally that it's okay to expose those types of vulnerabilities too, you know, um, because it, it is, it, it's hard for somebody to come to that sort of self-realization to say, I've been successful in these areas of my life. Therefore I can easily control the other side of my life. When in reality, you have no idea on how those two things are conflicting without even really knowing. So you joined this group and that was kind of the catalyst in regards to being able to collect all these stories, right? Right. Yeah. So a lot of the meetings that I go to, they're all very different. So there's usually a reading to kick it off or yeah. a topic and then people share. So I, I consider these little mini adventures and to be, um, someone that has been in this group since the beginning is a true honor because now I get to also witness the transformations. So mm. I've seen a lot of day ones and I've seen those year ones and year twos and year threes. And that's, that to me is the magic, right? Yeah. Is journeying with these people and just seeing their lives completely evolve and change and just hearing it in their voices and yeah. hearing their shares. And so, yes, it's definitely something I'm extremely proud of, but I couldn't have obviously done it without my friends saying yes. And when I say my friends, I mean, I would stop my life for any of these people, if they needed anything, yeah. if they needed me in any way, shape or form. I mean, these people, um, have seen the best of me and they've seen, they've heard the worst of mm -hmm. me and, and know that, you know, I, I was making bad decisions, um, while I was drinking and I still, to this day, I always say, I, I don't always make the best decisions because I still have to make some bad ones. <laughs> right. Else life would be totally boring. Yeah. But they're just a little more calculated. Yeah, for sure. And um, and yeah, I just couldn't be more grateful for their vulnerability and, you know, starting this, you know, shattering the stigma of what it looks like. Um, but really just talking about what it can feel like and how your life could change yeah. um, is really the purpose of it. Um, we're not selling anything and it's solely just to inspire. And if there is a voice in this book that you just, that moves you at your core, that, that was the purpose. Yeah. And there, there's no way there's not, I mean, you're going to find something. If anybody listening or watching is, is anything like me when I was going through, cause it's funny, we're recording this the time of year that we're recording this because we're, you know, the very beginning of the new year. And for the last, I would say, well, I've been sober for two years, but prior to that, I went, I think five or six years roughly were January 1st until roughly July 1st was when I cut alcohol off. And, you know, I would go crazy in the gym and crazy with my nutrition. And I felt like a million bucks, felt like a billion bucks most of the time because of that. But for whatever reason, when July hit, it was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. I'm done. Um, but I also knew going into July, which obviously is the summer months and there's all different opportunities to, to drink during the summer, probably even more so in the winter, actually, when you're all cooped up, but I was always looking for signs and I think it, when I would reach into certain pockets to look for signs, I think a lot of what I was looking for was just this uh, sense of relatability, like to try to find somebody that was experiencing the same struggles that I was. Right. And I think it's, it's so great having a resource like this where all the stories are different 
and the goals are obviously the same, but to be able to find an actual human being in, in a real life story that hits a branch on the way down that you're like, Oh yeah, I, I can hold on to this branch too. Like it's not just me that was falling from this and struggling and having a million questions. Um, but going back to the time of year, again, we're in January. I'm sure there are a lot of individuals that is it like what dry January or something like that or yeah. sober January or something. And again, I was a part of that for, for many, many years. Um, I think individuals use January as a way to get a fresh start and get things together. And maybe some individuals see if they can go 30 days without drinking. And I'm sure there's a lot of success and I would be very curious to know the numbers as far as those that started off not drinking in January, if that was truly a catalyst to stop altogether. Um, or if on the other side of that, because you went the 30 days and now February, March, April hits, you're making up for lost time. I know I was making up for lost time throughout those years, which I don't think that was the best move for me to make at all. But I think, you know, a lot about the times throughout Christmas and, you know, leading up to you know, Thanksgiving and having a bunch of family around and a lot of the the drinking that happens. Um, at, at this point in your life right now, what is your overall mindset like? Uh, I guess more importantly, how has your mindset shifted from the days of, of drinking throughout all the holidays that I just mentioned versus how you kind of attack those things now? Yeah, I feel like I, I don't think about drinking. I mean, I'm three and a half years in, so I don't think about it as much. But I still definitely think about it. But I'm able to play that tape forward because I don't want to feel like shit the next day. Yeah, I I have too much to do. I know that I'll probably send a text, make a call that I wish I wouldn't have. And I don't <laughs> I don't have to worry about that. And I it's just I I know that being present is kind of an overused term right now. Everyone's talking about being present, being present. But it enables me to actually be present with my kids and be there for them 100% of the time and not just part of the time. And so I think that, yes, holidays are a time where typically most people immerse themselves and kind of drink through it. But not being able to do that and not think about it as much as I used to. I used to, like my first Christmas, I asked my whole family not to drink. There's mm -hmm. no alcohol on Christmas Day. Right. They weren't fans. Right. But for imagine. me to make it through my first Christmas, I couldn't be around alcohol because I was about, I mean, I was nine months in, but it was still really early for mm -hmm. me. Um, now, I don't even think about it. So there are, and I think I mentioned this before, but there's just so many different phases and stages to it where things, some things become a lot easier and yeah, there's times when, I mean, I'm super stressed or I want to numb because of all the emotions or feelings I have. Absolutely. But I know that some temporary substance isn't going to solve anything for me, but it took me a long time to do that. And I mean, when I was in my moderation phase, I tried doing dry January with friends and I'd go strong until the fourth or fifth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I remember one dry January, I tried doing it with some friends and I even lied to them about, you know, that I was still not drinking, which was a lie. I drank. For sure. And so I, I hope that those of you that are doing dry January, you just really take note of how much better you feel and, you know, just if you're in the, you know, in that mode and want to continue it, continue it. And I think, I mean, you don't have to label yourself. And I feel like that is such people are just so caught up on that fact. And they have this image that they have to portray or they don't want to be seen as that. And yeah, it takes time to get over. But some of us are just wired a certain way. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. And that there's nothing 
wrong with me from that perspective, but I, it took me a long time to understand that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree completely. I couldn't help but think back to, you know, when, when Christmas morning rolled around, um, I just, I remember how many times either a, uh, I would put the Baileys in the coffee, right? Waking up in the morning and getting some Irish coffee going. And it, it, it's, it's great for the, you know, hour or two that you're sitting there and sipping your coffee and getting that little buzz on, but then you're super tired two hours after, and then you're just kind of running it less than peak performance. And this is the time where memories and moments matter the most with your kids and your significant other. And I think getting sober for me, the, the, the greatest gift has been the ability to not only be just uber productive, but to be uber present, no matter where I'm at, good, bad, in between, regardless of the situation that I'm in, I know that I have full control over my presence. And that was the immediate shift that I would always find when I would stop drinking. It was, man, I just, I feel so aware and I feel like I'm firing on all cylinders. This is amazing. I'm able to get more work done and I'm able to go to the gym and I've got my dopamine going in all the right places and I'm looking better, I'm feeling better. And I, I don't know what it was that, again, July, June, in some cases, would hit. And it's like, oh, cool. I'm, I'm, I don't have to go through all those good feelings anymore. I can start to camouflage all these things. So it is, it's such a weird uh, dynamic that, that we have and a weird game that we play. And I do think a lot of it has come down to the marketing that has surrounded us. You are, you are a great follow on Instagram and we'll put your, your Instagram, uh, information in the show notes, but you, uh, <clears throat> you post a lot of really great, whether it's quotes or things that you've heard or read from other resources that you are diving into on probably a daily basis. And for me, it's just constant reminders. And I think that's something that we all need those that are going through this journey together. We do. We need reminders because we're faced with a lot of temptation and distraction. However, I am, I'm, I'm like you in, in, in regards to, I don't even think about it anymore. You know, as I mentioned on the last podcast, my office at home, I open up the sliding barn door. I walk out directly to my right. There's a refrigerator and I'll grab a sparkling water, but there's Trulies in there. There's White Claws in there. There's Coors Light. I mean, you name it. There's wine on the counter. There's whiskey. There's moonshine from past Missouri trips that we've take, taken. And it, it, it truly has been just a light switch. But the reason why I can look at alcohol and be very turned off by that may be a completely different reason than the next person. And that's why I think this book is so important is because they all probably looked at alcohol for different. They looked at alcohol in different ways for different reasons. Oh, for sure. And, and that's one epiphany that I've had is like you were talking about Christmas morning. For me, I really loved drinking when things were going really well. <laughs> yes. Like we're here, the kids are opening gifts, everyone's happy, there's smiles, like let's keep drinking, let's carry this party on. Let's make it better. Let's enhance it. When in hindsight, that's the opposite that alcohol does once you, you know, come, come down or whatever you want to call it. But I, it took me a long time to understand that I was always chasing that next, that next high, if For you sure. will. And it doesn't exist. That, that high now is just immersing myself in, and what's happening. And that's the greatest gift now. And that, you know, prior to, you know, when I stopped drinking, I was, I was depressed and anxious. And so I was on medications. I'm not on those medications anymore because I stopped drinking. And because I stopped drinking, my decision-making got better. 
and I wasn't causing myself to be depressed or as anxious. And that's one of the things I, I said I have a lot of to-dos for this book in 2024. And one of those to-dos is with, you know, I know a lot of people are talking about mental health. And one of the first questions that therapists and psychologists and psychiatrists and doctors need to be asking their patients is, how much are you drinking? Yeah. And you need to tell the truth. And you need to take a hold of that and own it. And that might be causing some unhealthy behaviors. Yep. And yes, meds absolutely work at the right time at the right place for certain people. So I'm not condemning medication by any means. I'm just saying for me, I wish my doctor would have made me a little more aware as to the effects of alcohol and the negative effect effects it had on my mental health. I didn't know. And I didn't know that it accelerated anxiousness sure. and accelerated my depression. Um, but in hindsight, it did. Yeah. And so I'm not saying that if you remove alcohol, your mental health issues will go away. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying it is a contributing factor to those diagnoses. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think it's, it's very scary for somebody to think about going through life naked, figuratively speaking, where there's not a, a substance that they can take to help them get in, to get in or to get out of a certain situation. Um, to me, I just, I can't even begin to tell you how gratifying the feeling has been knowing that I don't need those things anymore. It's, it's very freeing. And again, I know that's an overused expression when you get sober, it's a freeing feeling. Like I, it's been used a million times for a reason. It that's, that is really how you feel. And anytime that I kind of get in my head about the things that I've missed most about drinking with friends and drinking with family and drinking and playing music and just being in that vibe and that atmosphere and all of the energy and even camaraderie that it brings. We had some great times and I'm thankful for those times, but you can absolutely still experience that same kind of euphoric feeling of the camaraderie and the conversations and all of the things that come with it can still maintain those memories and establish new ones. And I just, it, it's just, I'll say it again. It's a very freeing feeling that I would never want to jeopardize. For sure. Yeah. I went to a holiday party this year and I wasn't feeling social going into it. And it was going to be a lot of women, a lot of estrogen. And I went in kind of not so excited. I get there I'm jazzed up. I'm seeing faces I haven't seen in a while. It's good to see some of these people. And I was one of the last ones <laughs> to, to leave the party. And it was hilarious because I'm like, okay, I'm going to go for like 90 minutes. I'm out. I'll still get to my 5 a.m. workout. I still did. A little tired. But I was... So it was funny to say to... To look at myself and be like, wait a second. I wasn't... Was I the one closing down the parties because I was the last one <laughs> drinking or that's just how I am? <laughs> and granted, it was great, you know, being able to give a couple of friends rides, but that's not why I was there, right. you know, at the end. And so it is if someone would have told me that five years ago that I'd be closing down a party sober, sober, <laughs> I would laugh in their face. Yeah. Like yeah. I wouldn't believe it. And so and that's constantly what sobriety gives me is these little surprises and these little gems that I, I couldn't have predicted. And mm -hmm. I still can't. Yeah. My son needed a ride after an Iowa home football game. And he called me and I got in the car and I went to go pick him up. It was 945 on one of those Iowa home games. And I literally cried the whole way because if someone would have told me I'd be able to do that, mm. I would have laughed. And that was one of the proudest, quietest moments I've had where no one was with me. No one knew. I knew. And to be able to just pick him up, take him where he needs to go 
and that be done, that that was a gift this fall. And it starts to solidify that relationship with your son even more so. I mean, that trust and the loyalty and the reliability. You know, Megan and I just got done recording our Anna Ellis podcast, and we wrapped up the podcast by just talking a lot about human potential. And it's something that I've been thinking about a lot. And being sober helps you better identify potential, I think, even even more so than, than not. But, you know, I... At this point in my career, I'm talking with a lot of individuals that are trying to improve their lives. Um, I would say more so professionally, but it all comes down to what they think they're capable of first, right? Like, how do you view yourself? What do you want your life to look like? And do you think in your heart of hearts, do you think that's possible for yourself? And some will say yes, and others will say, I can't even imagine. And to me, there are so many things that happen in life that remind you what we are capable of. And when you start looking at the bigger picture and the true issues individuals have in their life, things that, by the way, they can't control. So if it's God forbid, a terminal illness, or it's a fatal car accident, or it's just, you know, whatever sort of craziness the world throws at you. There are some things that are, are far beyond our control. But if we spent more time and really prioritized our lives in a way to focus on the things that we can control, what the result will be in the form of your potential. And I see so many, because I'm somebody that for whatever reason, if I sense a level of greatness in somebody and they just happen to be associated with the things that we're doing professionally, I kind of latch on because I don't want them to fail. You know, you got a guy like David who is, who is running our board today. I don't have a camera uh, established for him yet, but he is worthy of a camera and I'll, I'll get you a camera set up. David is somebody who has trusted the process in regards to what it means to enter into the world of weddings and showing up early and treating people with respect and treating people with kindness and getting better behind closed doors. And I can tell David is a very disciplined individual. He does things the right way. And so for, for him, it's like, I'm not going to let him fail. And I'm so used to individuals that tell me they want something and they'll look you in the eye and say, no, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, let's do this thing. And all that momentum, for whatever reason, is lost after a few conversations. And so to be around somebody like you and for you to be around individuals like this, I can't imagine a better environment to have your potential thrive in all the right places. You know? That's exactly right. And we didn't even plan this, but I brought a prop here. So this is me. Okay. I don't I don't know if you can see on the camera. But this is girl. me. I was uh, two years old in this 28 months in this picture. And I have this picture on my refrigerator at home. And this reminds me that I'm not letting this little girl down anymore. Yeah. And that I'm being the mom I need to be, colleague I need to be, friend I need to be. And it's just a nice little reminder that we have one life. We, we don't have a practice life, right? This is it. And so to be able to pivot as I've done by removing this one thing that I was caught up on forever. And like you said, I have a lot of great memories, but I've outgrown all that. It's, it's time to move on and be the, the person that this little girl yeah, I love that. envisioned. And so it's funny because my kids always laugh at that picture, but it just is a good, subtle reminder to me uh, of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. Again, it's a reminder, right? And there are some of us that are very blessed to be around individuals that love and care about us and they are constant reminders and they provide a lot of positive reinforcement in those reminders. And I'm sure there are other individuals that are going through this journey alone. And, um, you know, I would say I'm, I'm fortunate enough to 
be married to Melissa who practices a lot of positive habits. Um, she's not really, well, she's not a drinker at all anymore based on some of the, the medical discoveries, um, that we've been through when, when she was in the hospital. And again, such a great reminder of perspective and that health is everything. I mean, I guess health as well, health is well, health is everything. And I was so guilty for so long of just ignoring that fact, like just taking it for granted. And it takes a second for your life to be turned upside down again with things that maybe you can't control, but what about the things that you can control and the things that you can control? And you're such a great testament with all this as well with giving something up and then going all in with something else. Um, you know, you being very big in fitness and nutrition and taking care of your body. And what reminded both Melissa and I, when we were in the hospital, we reminded us both so much about it was that we have to be here for our kids, right? Like it's not really even about us anymore. It's, we have to take care of ourselves for the sake of our children, Who's going to take care of them if we're not here? Who's going to instill the kind of values that we want if we're not here? Or if we are here, if we're running at 35% capacity because daddy's hungover. Now, oh, I'm not in the mood to go and do this with you today. You know, I'm tired. I, I just, I, I can't imagine how many of those things are happening on a daily basis. And to me, it, it goes back to potential. You know, your kids will remember those things. Well, I think that's exactly right. So being tired used to be an option for me when it came to my kids. It's not an option anymore. I'm not tired because I take care of myself. And there are things that I do on a consistent basis that allows me to get off the couch and yeah. go do whatever they need to do. If you know my four kids, they don't, they're never tired. They don't slow down. And I love it. And that means I need to keep up. And stellar athletes, by the way. Again, keeping up with you on Instagram, all of the things you're doing, all the pictures you're taking of a tournament here, a game here. It's it's wild how active they all are. They are. And I love it. And yeah. they, they love what they do. So it makes it easier for yeah. me to love. I didn't know what a sports mom was. And now I'm just, I'm in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, that's a, that's a role that I love and I'm here to support them in whatever way they need me to. And like I said, chapters and phases of life. So it is, it is busy. Yeah. It is crazy busy, but at the same time, I wouldn't have it any other way. Have, have your conversations evolved even from the time that we had our last podcast together up to today? Has, has there been any more, um, conversations about your sobriety? And cause obviously they know you wrote a book and I'm sure they're blown away by that. What sort of questions, uh, have, have come to the surface as far as like, mom, why'd you write a book about this? Yeah. It's funny. Cause I had a book launch in Chicago and two of my four kids kind of pieced together. Gosh, mom's probably not going to have a book launch in Chicago again. So we should probably go. <laughs> yeah. So two of my four kids were there and it was so fun to have them there. And they did a little cheers and nice. said a few words oh, and man. it just warmed my heart. One of those moments that again, I never could have predicted. Um, and then the and then the others, I mean, it's just the the subtle comments they make. Like we were walking through High V the other day and you know, prior to New Year's Eve, and there's a big bush light, you know, pyramid. And one of my sons <laughs> looks at me, he goes, Look, mom, they're trying to get people to drink. <laughs> um, but just so like matter of fact, um, and just they just again are just so curious and just always want to know more and they, it's funny. They really haven't talked about the book that much. Yeah. It's just mom's book, yeah. but, um, but it is something that I'm proud of that they're able to see me in action, right? Not do as I say, do as I do. Yeah. And I, I know they're going to make their own decisions and I know they're not always going to be the best ones, but they just need to know that I'm always here for them and that I'm the last person to ever judge them. Yeah. And yeah. so that reliability, like you said, that means a lot to me that they know that I'm here, 
whatever they need. But again, they get to make their own decisions yeah. like I did. Yeah. What, what ha what's been some of your other outlets? Cause, Cause that's a question I get. So, so let me, let me, let me back up before I ask that question. When we got done recording our first podcast together, the, uh, and then I posted it obviously. And, uh, a lot of people watched, I think it's the highest or the, the most watched video, um, that we have on our Ann and Ellis YouTube channel, which is amazing. And, and I'm not surprised because it, it, it was either a, a lot of the friends and family that had no idea, uh, that I've been sober, um, and even had a drinking problem were probably very curious. I'm sure a lot of those views were just simply based out of curiosity and maybe came from individuals that have no drinking problem whatsoever. And then I would have to assume that there's the other chunk of the audience, which, uh, are those that are um, going through their own journey, those that are questioning, you know, uh, I might have a drinking problem, I might not, let's see what these two have to say. So that's all great. But the amount of private messages that I received in text messages and even phone calls um, from individuals that have notified me that they've been sober for a year and, um, you know, I'm going to start, uh, you know, at this point in my life, um, to start doing this instead of that. I mean, it was just a lot of the vulnerability that came from the individuals that I haven't talked to in a long time was mind blowing to me. Um, and being able to open up on a podcast like that, I mean, my, my, my mom and I had, you know, a conversation about that and she didn't really quite know the things that I was going through. And, um, again, that's just a very freeing feeling, right? It's like, if I put it all out there, my hope is that it helps one person put it all out there so they can see what comes of that. And so going into, okay, well, alcohol is, is in the rear view mirror. You know, I'm not even looking back in the mirror. Um, there are things that I just, we're done with that chapter. And you proceed to the next chapter, because I feel like if you're going to quit something, you should feel like you're moving forward somewhere else. What are some things that were like an immediate shift, a positive shift in your life that took over after you decided to quit drinking? Right. Yeah. So I was more consistency at the gym for sure. Um, focusing on my nutrition. I definitely do not eat right all the time. I try, but I, I'm often asked that question. So what do you do to chill out? What's your outlet? What do you do? What do you do? People always want to know. And I've tried edibles. I don't like them. Yeah, same. I don't. Same. I mean, they had an effect on me and then I wanted to be normal again and I couldn't control that and I didn't like it. And so, I mean, for a lot of people, especially, I mean, when you do open up about this, people tend to open up to you. So I do, do hear a lot. And yeah. I think that, you know, many people have many outlets and that's fine. But for me, I'm like this all the time. I don't do anything I would say to chill out or zone out. That's just not how I'm wired anymore. I have too much to do. I yeah. have a lot of things to do on my list, but they're all the things I want to do. I, I'm so lucky to be in this chapter of life where I get to you know, figure out how my three boys are getting to their three basketball tournaments on Saturday. I get to figure out how I get this book into more hands of the people that are struggling that needed it. Because originally I thought, oh, Instagram, Facebook, those sober pages, that'll be a great way to market it. But when I went back, when I was sitting in that struggle seat, I wasn't following sober right. Facebook, sober right. Instagram, right. anything, because right. I didn't want yeah. anyone to know yeah. Yeah. that I was struggling. So I had to rethink that whole marketing plan. And I have a lot of ideas now and it's just execution. And that takes time and effort, which excites me because yeah. I get to be of service to people. And that's what motivates me. So it doesn't feel like work by any means. And when I'm out and about now and I have someone, you know, grab my arm and say, Vanessa, I'm X day sober. Like I tear up every time uh, because it is such an honor at this point to be that person that yeah. might have inspired someone or at least open their mind to the possibility of it. And that is something I take very seriously yeah. now. And that, um, 
I feel like there is a, a big responsibility now. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Totally. Do you ever feel like now because you're sober, you almost discovered a cheat code in life? Yes. Me too. <laughs> Me too. It's like, it's like, it's kind of like a, a, a secret, right? It's like, you obviously want to tell everybody how great life is being sober, but it's like, I think I just stumbled across something that not a lot of people know about. Like my productivity, like you think you work hard, you think you can be productive. It's like, Oh, all right, let's go. Let's do this thing. And I would be so far behind the eight ball right now. If, I mean, I don't think we would be in a position that we were doing a podcast and that our, our, our company, um, Ananellis is moving at the rate that it is because what I feel gains me a lot of leverage in life being sober is that I can remain consistent. You're not going to shake me. You're not going to rattle me. You're just not because I'm focused and I'm aware and I'm present. And I used to think a lot about what my productivity was like drinking and the best way that I can kind of describe it is putting on a pair of like really smudgy sunglasses. It's like, you can see, but it's like, you, you know, I, if you're like worn a pair of sunglasses forever and for whatever reason, you just don't clean them. And you're like, this, this is, this is my life now. This is what these sunglasses are like. And then you take the 30 seconds and you clean them with like really nice glass cleaner. And then you put them on and you're like, Holy cow. Why didn't I do this a long time ago? I feel that. That, that, that's kind of <laughs> that, how I equate it, right? That's a perfect analogy. That, that is, that's a great one. Yes. As, as far as, I mean, I'm able, I feel like before I wanted to manifest, but now I feel when I do manifest things and I start to see the checks, the check boxes off my to-do list and I see, um, I, I'm able to now see things I never thought I'd be able to see. I have to be careful what I manifest because some things are going so well, which is such a blessing that, but it's all anchored in removing this one thing. Yeah. And it, it sounds so simple. And, and actually you asked about the, the kids randomly the other day, my youngest asked me, mom, when you're an alcoholic, did you drink every day? And I said, no, Paxton, I didn't. And he said, then how are you an alcoholic? And I go, well, sweetie, I'm not a fan of that word because I don't really know what it means. Right. And a lot of people don't really know what that word means. And so I don't really like using that. And he's like, oh, yeah, I get that. But he's constantly just wondering about words like that. And I feel like. I'm able to sit there and sit back and give an honest answer versus when I was drinking, everything was foggy and yeah. smudgy. And I felt like I was floating a lot of the time. My feet weren't on the ground. I was just floating, hoping for the bus. Yeah. And I always say hope is not a strategy. And that was my strategy was hope. Yeah. And now it's, getting shit done. Yeah. That's my strategy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's definitely my new addiction, right? Is like productivity and getting things done. N not just to get things done to be consumed with work, but to get things done so you can remain more active and present in the right moments at the right time. Right. Alcohol just really threw all sorts of distractions at that goal. And I'm amazed at I'm amazed when it comes to, I guess, hearing stories about those that have struggled with the drinking problem for years and years and years and years and years, and they were still able to run. I mean, how exhausting would that be to try to run a company with employees and you got to maintain a high level of leadership and you've got meetings and you got to fly for business trips and this and this, and now you're at the airport drinking. It's just like to be able to offload that turns you into a completely different person. Post podcast, I was, and I'm going to probably butcher this, but I was reading something that I was just like, man, that is such a great way to put it. There was, again, just kind of this example of a, a little boy asked his dad what it was like to have a drinking problem. 
And um, the dad goes, son, I want you to look over there. Do you see those, those two beers? Somebody with a drinking problem sees four of them. And the son goes, but dad, there's no beer over there. Mm. <laughs> so it's like you're always seeing it. Yeah. Not only are you always seeing it, you're seeing more of it than you should see in general anyways, right? And it's like, man, that's because it's always on your mind. And again, I go back to the word freeing again. And you mentioned this the last time that we spoke to just not have that anchor tied to you and to cut off those chains, you know, that's attached to that anchor. You're able to be, you're able to move around a lot faster. You're able to move around in a way that not a lot of other people can move. Um, I do feel like being sober is a cheat code to life. I really do. I'm 110% in agreement. I, I oftentimes think that we, we call it a superpower sometimes. And I think just not drinking, not being hungover and not planning your next drink. All that real estate in your mind is gone. And now you're able to reallocate that where you want it to go. Yeah. Yep. And that's where the product productivity shift comes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Something that has been a huge gift to me, and, and everybody's gonna have their own opinion on this, and, and that's totally fine. April of 2023, <clears throat> Melissa was really after me to try to explore going to church. And uh, you know, I grew up not going to church. Um, not because my parents were anti-religion or anything like that, but I would say my dad was much more spiritual than he was anything. And, and, and growing up, so was I got a big Buddha tattoo and, and really love that Buddhist philosophy. But growing up, religion was something that my parents had always kind of said without saying as far as like, that's something that you can find. You know, if, if a church speaks to you, if, you know, holding faith closer to you is something that really resonates, then that's that's your discovery, which I've always really respected, by the way. I remember just being so confused going to like a Catholic mass with my friends and they're taking communion and they're saying all these prayers and they're doing all these hands. I'm like, what is going on? Like, what is happening? You know, Cardio. The pew was uncomfortable, all these things. I was really confused and I felt like I was kind of left out. And you get older and you start to have you know, a better understanding of the differences and all of that stuff. And so in April, we joined a church, Antioch and Stony, St. Cedar Rapids, it's off of Stony Point Road, Antioch Christian Church. And <clears throat> for me, it was still an experience. Like initially I was still just very curious, like, okay, what's this all about? What are these people like, you know, um, are they just after donations? Um, is it, you go to church on Sunday and you turn right back into the same person you were the minute you walk out on, you know, Monday morning hits and you have all these other things that you do. And it just, it gave me this, it was almost instantaneous, like this level of feeling a lot of peace and a lot of comfort. And we continued to stay very consistent with that. And the way that I kind of, uh, my overall barometer to, to my church experience was like, how do I feel going in and how do I feel going out and how do I feel when I'm not there? And I always, always feel a hundred times better going and I feel a hundred times better when I'm leaving. And again, I know that's not for everybody, but the amount of really great people that you meet and individuals that you're surrounded by, you know, I've played the piano since I was eight years old. And so I was just in this casual conversation with the worship leader at the time. And she uh, was like, do you play any instruments? I said, yeah, I play the piano. And she's like, Oh, it'd be cool for you to join our group. And me being who I am like, yeah, it's cool. Let's give it a try. And so I play with them on a pretty regular basis. And just that alone has just fulfilled me in ways that I could have never imagined. And what was really interesting about that is that I knew my schedule was already crazy, but I just, I heard God's voice being like, you need to do this. You need to make time to do this and you're going to find time and I'm going to give you time 
to do this. This is, this is a calling. This is your sign. You've been looking for signs every other place in your life. Like this is your sign right now. And so I jumped in head first and there's been some really great challenges as far as learning new music and, you know, learning that whole new genre and all of these things. And I played in their Christmas service. So I played Saturday night and then three times on Sunday. And as I was playing the piano, I'm just thinking to myself how different my life is and how much us, again, I know I keep repeating the same words, but it's like, those are just the things that f- fulfillment, right? It's like, it just, it, it fills my cup. And for me, it's like, I just, I wonder how many people have maybe quit drinking or any sort of negative habit and they feel like their cup is empty, that you need to be looking for something that's going to fill that right back up for all the right reasons. Because to me, the feeling that I got and the feeling that I still continue to have going there is a feeling that I've been chasing. Yeah. You want to feel connected. You want to feel sturdy, especially in this world where nothing feels as sturdy as it was. And there's all of these crazy things that are happening. Um, I just, I don't know. I would encourage those that are looking to explore other ways to just feel really good and get closer to your faith and just, you know, check it out. I completely agree. Yeah. So I, w- I uh, grew up Catholic. I'm not Catholic now. I do go to a church that I've grown to love. I joined it about five years ago. Okay. So when I was still drinking and I remember those Sunday mornings that I'd go in hungover and just wish I wasn't and wish I was in a different state of mind. And when I go to church now, I tear up every week um, just because I'm so thankful that um, I'm not hungover and I'm, I'm there. And like you said, you gauge it by how you go in feeling. And I'm always so excited to go. And when I can share my journey, my, my pastor knows my whole journey. She's been on the journey with me. It's a special place. Yeah, absolutely. And it's my responsibility to give my kids an opportunity if they want a spiritual life that, that I provide that for them. And it's, it's definitely been a very, um, I would say, comforting place for me to go um, when we can carve out those Sunday mornings when we're not at a sporting event. But I think um, definitely having those connections and that foundation is helpful. Yeah. And again, whatever works for you. Yeah, well, truly, whatever works for you. And if you were to tell me five years ago that I was going to be driving to a wedding listening to contemporary Christian music, I would have been like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, what, what is that? Cut to today, you know, when I'm on my, on my way to a wedding or I'm on my way home from a wedding, you know, typically there's a lot of long drives that come with that. I'll turn that on and it's like there's just something that switches that it just it makes me feel really, really good. And then every time that I go there, I'm learning something. Um, I want to get Jason on, uh, the lead pastor at, at Antioch, and because I've got a, a lot of questions for him. Because again, growing up, I I mean, I don't know the Bible super well and just a lot of confusion and questions. And you meet somebody like him and Skylar and Rebecca and all these just incredible human beings that are involved. It's like, they're living it. Like they're living it. And and that's the thing too, Vanessa, like that, that, that I think to me sums it up, right? It's like when you meet people that are living it and they're living their purpose and their actions are speaking much louder than their words, those are the people I want to connect with. And those are the people that I want to know. And those are the people that I want to call my friends because you're surrounded by a lot of people in your life that, throughout the years of, of, of growing up and, you know, all different areas and avenues that you're, you're, you're going down in your life. There's a lot of people that talk and there's very few people that are walking. Right. And to be around people that are able to do both to me, that's where that comfort comes into play. Right. It's, it's really, it's firming that foundation for sure. Right. And it's surrounding yourself with, with people you want to aspire to be. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Leveling up. Something I tell my kids all the time is you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Right. It's like, that's, that's just the reality, right? You are the the sum of, of who you hang out with. 
Um, so what's what's next? I, I I hate asking that question. Like, what's next? So you wrote this book. So, anyways, what's next? It's like, no, this is a huge accomplishment. Which congratulations times one hundred, by the way. So proud of you. What are the goals that you have with this? I know you touched on it a little bit already during this conversation, but like, what are some things that we can manifest to make some of your goals with this book happen? Yeah, and I I want to open it up to whoever's listening too. <laughs> Whoever ha- I know, there are a lot of connected people in this world, more connected than I am, um, that might have ideas on how I can get this book into the right hands of the right people at the right time. That was my promise to my friends who all said yes to this book. And now it's time for me to do it. And so that excites me and scares me and like all the same emotions at once. But I do think that there is a big opportunity to get it into therapy offices or therapists and psychologists and psychiatrists and Anyone who might be struggling, because one of the questions I asked everyone is when you were struggling, who did you open up to or who were you most likely to open up to? And so I have all that survey data. And so those are the all the avenues I'm using. The tricky part is that most of them said it was a loved one or it was a significant other, which means It could be anyone who needs to know about this book, which is a blessing, right? So it's just making sure people know it's out there. It's on Amazon. It has some reviews. So if you want to read the reviews, they're on there. Um, And the cool part, too, is a lot of these people, I mean, many use their names. You can look them up. You can follow them. Um, There's resources in the back of the book, podcasts we listen to, uh, different books we listen or read that helped us, um, Instagram accounts that we follow, but just a really, it's just supposed to be a helpful resource for anyone that might be struggling or wants to explore a life without yeah. alcohol. What could it look like and how do I get there? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, so a lot to do a lot of, uh, a lot of exciting things ahead. Hopefully I, I definitely hope to find maybe a sober celebrity, get it in their hands at some point this year, Uh, So we'll see. But um, like I said, I'm open to all ideas and suggestions and introduction introductions. So, well, what's so exciting is like this is is obviously a huge accomplishment, but it's also a catalyst to so many things that you don't even see coming. Like I just I know the conversation we're going to have. Whether it's a year from now or six months from now, the amount of things that are going to be developing because of this book is going to be well beyond our mutual imagination. I promise you that what's, what's interesting. It's just, it's such a simplistic, the best decision we ever made. So imagine telling somebody who says, I have a drinking problem. I really want to quit. It's going to be the best decision you've ever made. And you can look them in the eye and you know what you're saying is true. And you know that if they discover what's on the other side, that they know that statement is true. Just imagine how powerful that is like quitting alcohol will be the best decision you've ever made. We know that's true. I've never, we mentioned it last time, I've never met anybody that sober says, man, that was a terrible decision. This, this is terrible. <laughs> it's, it's, it might feel that way initially, right? But as life goes on, I promise you, you're going to look back and say, I wish I would have done it sooner. This is the best decision I've ever made. And then welcome to the cheat code of life, my friends. Welcome to the cheat code of life. Um, you don't have headphones on, but I, uh, David, can you do me a favor? Can you look up, can you just uh, go on YouTube, please? And can you, um, type in Howard Stern, Ben Affleck, um, alcohol, so- sober. The cure for addiction is suffering. You suffer enough that something inside you goes undone. And I'm my lucky because I hit that point before I lost Really, the things that were the most important, not my career or money, always my relationship with my kids. And when I felt as if right here. it impacted them, I recognized it. it. It was the worst day of my life. I made amends. And I, I for a while, I thought maybe this is temporary. Maybe this feeling is going to go away. But since that day, I swear to Christ, I have not ever wanted to drink once. Wow. So it's the easiest thing in the world. 
Because every time I think about it, I'm just like, holy shit, that's the worst idea in the world. I don't want that. I can't do that. And that's the piece that people find. So now I'm that asshole who's like, you know, I'm grateful. I, learned a lot. I actually got to be a better person through this uh, you process. Can pause it, and but yeah, I've like that. It's like when you realize what's at stake, you look at everything completely different. For sure. Yeah. I had a moment. I, I've, I had a moment like that a week before my, my day one. I know, I know what that is. Yeah. 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 I think until you have that, not even an epiphany, but just that awakening, right? It's like it takes that razor sharp edge to just feel it. And sometimes people feel it when it cuts super deep. And sometimes people feel just the tip of it. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. What is that? Like we were having fun here. And, and you can't unfeel it. And you can't unfeel it. Yes. And it might not necessarily be a moment or a situation, but it's when you're able just to be sick of your own shit. Yep. Yep. You're just like, wait a second. I just did this stop rewind play stop rewind play stop <laughs> rewind play it's the same thing and it's the same repetitive bad behavior bad behavior or regrets or mistakes that now i i've just removed like there is no stop rewind play anymore it's stop play yeah and this there's so much to look forward to now yeah. like and i don't know what that looks like and that excites me that excites me the most. Amen to all of that. Uh, I hope we can have these conversations more. I would love to have you on. Uh, we are in the midst of evolving all different types of content. Um, you know, obviously I do a wedding podcast with Megan and, and to have these kind of conversations really feed my soul as well. And um, I just, I know what sort of impact these conversations have, and it may not be immediate, but I, I think it will have a long lasting impact on, I mean, think about, think about somebody that could just stumble upon this conversation. They're looking for a sign they're going to YouTube or they see something on Instagram. Cause I'm going to make a bunch of clips of this podcast that if they were anything like me, you were looking for signs. This is your sign. It will be the best decision you've ever made in your life. Point blank period. Um, I will, put in the show notes uh, a link where you can purchase um, the book, um, ways to support uh, the book itself, whether that's a review, obviously buying the book, um, giving this to somebody that you love and care about, and um, just to have them, when they have time, read through it, read a couple stories here and there, and just to have these continued reminders for somebody that's going through their sobriety journey, I think to me, it's, it's imperative, absolutely imperative. Um, yeah, I, I guess I will wrap up by asking how overall, how was the, the book launch party? Sorry, I couldn't make it in Chicago. It looked awesome. It was that like a dry bar, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was a dry bar. It was, it was a blast. It was, I mean, I think over half the contributors were there. Wow. They flew in from all kinds of States and, and it was, it was a magical, magical night because some of these people I hadn't met in person yet either. And a lot of them hadn't met each other in person. Okay. So just for that reason only, it was just so yeah. special, but just to be able to, um, yeah, just be together and do it was great. And actually at the book launch, I did commit to it. It's going to be an annual event that all of us will be able to get together cool. in some city every November ish, um, to, I mean, we're, we're connected for yeah. life now. I want to go to the so, next one for yeah, sure. I, I want to meet all these individuals. I've got, uh, where is Todd at? It looks like Todd, he was on here, right? Yeah. He's right here. He's coming on the podcast, uh, virtually, uh, next week. Thanks to your connection. So appreciate that. I appreciate you so much. I have so much love for you, so much respect for you, so much admiration for you, the way that you parent, um, the way you remain so focused and disciplined, um, and just your, uh, just your continued vulnerabilities, right? Just always being up for talking about it, always putting other individuals in a position to win and to support them. Again, you're, you're walking the walk and individuals like you are the only individuals I want to be around in my life. So thank you for taking time to sit down and hang out and catch up. 
Thank you. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. It's an honor to be on this journey with you and watch you flourish. You're flourishing. I think your word of the year should be flourish. Well, thank you. Yeah. Done. Done. It is. That's what it is. Let's go. Uh, Be sure you are liking and subscribing. Do not be a silent audience member. Comment. uh, Let us know what you love most about our conversation. Uh, Again, I'll put Vanessa's information in the show notes. So reach out to her directly. If you have any questions for her, any questions about the book, ways to get in contact with the individuals, maybe you're reading something like I need to get to know this person. This is me. I'm looking in a mirror right now. Vanessa will be able to connect you. So this is not a journey you have to walk alone. I promise you that. And I will say it one final time. It will be the best decision you've ever made.